Hello there, welcome back once again. Um, this is the Lost Songs of Ireland podcast. I'm the host, Bell Bill O'Brien. Uh, I hope you all had a fantastic Christmas and New Year. I do apologise, I hadn't put, I hadn't really done any work or put anything out over the Christmas period. I've been very busy and a little bit ill as well, so I just kind of let, left it to the side for a bit. But now we're back in 2024, um, and I have a heap of projects that I'm working on, so... I will have quite a few uploads over the next couple of months. Um, today, we're going to be talking about um, the Balak War Pipers. Now, this song is quite special to me because it's, uh, it's the song that more or less put me down this route of discovering old ballads and old songs um, from rural Ireland. Um, Balak is a village in County Tipperary. It's the village where I went to primary school um, when I first moved to this country. Um, so it would be it would be my local village growing up as a child, and I live very close to it today. And finding this song in the, the National Folklore Archives um, that came from Ballock National School um, really made me think a lot about local history, um, how much of it is lost and how important it is, and also how important it is to me. So I spent a bit of time... Um, chasing around after this song, looking for more. Um, and the more I looked through the archives of local village schools, the more I found that there were more and more of these local-specific songs that are more or less lost to time or forgotten and only exist in these archives. And it kind of started this adventure that, I'm, that I've been on um, for the past six, seven, eight months, however long it's been at this stage. Um, so a little bit about the Warpiper band. Now, they were officially... Um, from looking at various newspaper sources, they seem to kind of be officially uh, formed in 1909. Uh, sorry, 1908 um, in Nockvilla, which is another little village close close to Balak. It would be just just up the road from Balak. Um, Nockvilla would have bit, been a bit bigger than, than Balak itself, um, and they, they were formed as a, a military wing of the IRB, the Irish Republican Brotherhood. Now, there's a lot going on with the IRB. Uh, they're a very, very, very important organization in this country, and not just in this country. They had branches all over in England and America as well. Um, so the IRB, the Irish Republican Brotherhood, was a secret oath-bound organization uh, set about to bring about a united island, a, a democratic, self-governing united island, um, and this was this was through force of arms. They realised that the only way this was ever going to happen was through force of arms. Um, now, the, the IRB would have came from the Young Islanders, which is a, say, this, a very the same tradition, but just a few generations beforehand. Uh, the Young Islanders were involved in lots of rebellions. Um, there are folklore sources that's that associate um the the Ballot war pipers with the young islanders rebellion going back to the mid 1800s like 1848 was the big was their big attempt at a rebellion um across the country but it very it was very much a failure um the the 1848 rebellion in ireland did not go very well for anybody um and the music, the music played by the Balak War Pipers, would have been heavily influenced by um, the 1848 rebellion, and quite possibly a lot of the people that men that played with them 
would have would have either played uh, with, you know, would have would have played um, their their pipes in a, in a bands whether or not, whether or not they were for, formerly the Ballot War Pipers, but a lot of uh, a lot of the players and pipers and possibly their sons and grandsons would have would have joined the Ballot War Pipers. Now, the Ballot War Pipers were were very big. They were very very popular at the time. Um, I've got a, a historical account of a few um, IRB meetings and Irish volunteer meetings. Now, the IRB was the secret uh, secret um, secret society that went about recruiting and organising uh, the Irish volunteers. Um, who, you know, bet- bet- between these two organisations. Uh, this was the 1916 Rising. These were the organisations that organised and executed the 1916 Rising, which led um, to the formation of the Irish Doll, which led to a civil war, which which then went on, um, for, laid, laid the way for Ireland to become its own self-governing state. So the, the, the military organisation around this was one of the most influential um, things that happened things to have happened in this country it, it directly led to our um emancipation from the crown from the british crown and establishment and the establishment of an irish democratic state now the ballock war pipers themselves um were largely the dwyer clan of ballock in tipperary or o'dwyer dwyer um who lived in on the hill on a farmhouse on a hill just above the primary school that i attended as a child and learning learning this really really impressed me because there are still there are still Dwyers in the area. I you know there were people on my school bus whose surname was was O'Dwyer, and it's very very likely that these are direct descendants or at least distant family members of of the Ballot War Pipers band. Um, now the, the the pipes that they played would have been war pipes, standard war pipes, and um, which are more or less the same as what what the Scots. Were playing uh, in the Highlands and in their mil- in their military bands. Now the war pipes are not the same as the Illan pipes, the Union pipes, uh, which is most commonly associated with Irish and Irish traditional music today. Now a war pipe is is had had three drones first of all, and it was a much much louder instrument. Um, obviously, the the purpose of a war pipe is communication during a battlefield. Um, it was also played standing up and marching. Whereas the Illan pipe is strictly an instrument that you sit down and put the thing on your lap and play. Now, the explanation I've heard for this um, from a couple of pipers, you know, old lads who play the pipes have told me that, that the reason for this was penal laws in that the, Brit- the British occupying um, state pretty much forbade Irish Catholics from playing a pipe standing up Um and as a result, they invented a, a pipe that you play sitting down. Um, so, so it was legal according to the penal laws. I'm not fully convinced that that's true, um, but it's a really cool story anyway. Um, so I thought I, I thought I'd repeat it. And you know, it fits in with the general theme in Ireland that almost anything unique or strange or odd that the Irish uh, do today, um, all the strange little customs. Almost always the explanation for those is because the Brits. Um, so I just thought I'd throw that little association out there, but I'm not 100% sure that is true. Um, I've only heard it from hearsay, from stories that lads have told me down the pub. So make of that what you will. 
Now, the history of playing bagpipes in their in their various forms in Ireland is quite old. Um, the earliest account of a bagpipe being played is from around the year 900, but this is not for the purpose of war. Um, there's a f- quite a few depictions of bagpipe-type organ. Uh, instruments being played in various medieval manuscripts from around 1400 onwards um but again this would not have been the war pipes that would have been played by the ballot war pipers around the early 1900s um neither would they have been the Ireland pipes there was probably mo- most likely some variation of a scottish highland pipe um that's being depicted in these manuscripts now one of the earliest written accounts of the bagpipes being used for war in Ireland uh, comes from an 1581 volume written by the, uh, the musician Vincenzo Galilei, who, strangely enough, is the father of the great astronomer Galileo Galilei. Um, I had no idea whose father was a famous musician who wrote about Ireland, but that's, I found that very interesting. Uh, he wrote about the bagpipe in Ireland, is quotation, is much used by the Irish. To its sound, this unconquered, fierce, and warlike people march their armies and encourage each other to deeds of valour. With it, they also accompany the dead to the grave, making such sorrowful sounds as to invite, nay, compel the bystander to weep. In the same year, um, sorry, that was the end of the quote. In the same year, John Derrick published the poem "The Image of Ireland," uh, in which the pipes were already used to convey signals in battle. But the lines of the poem are as follows. Now go the foes to rack, the kern a pace do sweet, and bagpipe then instead of trump, do lull the back retreat. So that's um, two accounts of Irish pipes uh, being used in war that come from the year eighteen, sorry, fifteen eighty one. So there's, it's, obviously, it's a long tradition that goes back um, quite a long, long way um, in, in Irish culture. Now, the use of the bagpipes tend pretty much disappeared towards the late 1800s. Again, largely because I'd, I'd, I'd attribute that largely to Angorta Moore, the Irish famine that wasn't a famine. Um, a, a lot of music died during that period. Um, this, this, was, this is after the golden age of Irish balladry, um, where you know, a lot of the ballad singers... Let either left the country or just starved to death or just had to find other work to sustain themselves. Um, at this at this era, there was a lot less wandering minstrels, so the bagpipes or the the or the Irish pipes t- tended to kind of disappear from society. Um, there was a big move to revive bagpipe music, um, starting in the eighteen nineties onwards. And this has a lot to do with a, a, a general revival of Gaelic culture that was that was going on at the time. Um, it was around then that so many of the great epic sagas were written down for the first time. Um, like I in a previous podcast, I mentioned um, the, the Cattle Raid of Cooley. Um, this is part of a, a, a big collection of, of epic sagas and stories that form Irish mythology. Um, there was a huge resurgence in this in general um, from 1890s onwards, um, which was very much had its purpose. Its purpose was to encourage Irish men um, to pick up arms and fight and die for Ireland because you had all these secret societies 
that were, were trying to liberate the country and from British colonialism. And arts, storytelling and music was a huge part of that. Um, another angle um, for this resurgence, specifically in pipes um, in Ireland, was because I imagine, I'm kind of put, adding two and two together here, but the IRB um, were very, very involved in sending Irish men over to America during their civil war. Uh, the reason for this was to gain battle experience. Um, so an awful lot of Irish men fought in the American Civil War on the Union side and came back to Ireland after the war had finished and shared their battle experiences and the, the tactics that were used and um, generally took, took what they'd learned while over there to train men in Ireland to fight, to, to fight in armies against the Brit British colonial oppressors. Um, and a, a huge, and as everybody knows, if, any, if anyone knows anything about the American Civil War, fife music was very, very important. Um, the, yeah, you, you, can, you can't hardly watch a TV show or a movie set during the American Civil War without hearing a fife being played or a, or a military band with a drum and a fife at some at some stage because it was it was absolutely integral um to the to the civil war um the, obviously the reason for this is like traditionally um uh, military bands whatever just for entertainment for the soldiers the reason for a military band was communication because at the time you know at the time where they were developed battlefields were fought without electricity without phones or walkie talkies or satellites or anything like that um so music being being you know being a sound that can be heard from far away was was adopted to to convey messages uh, between battalions between commanders and and their troops like that specific songs or specific tunes would be played to order a retreat or to tell or to signal that reinforcements were coming and things like this so there was there was a lot of messages or codes even being transmitted across the battlefield um by by the musicians, by the drummers, and by the pipe players, it's drums and pipes, uh, largely because drums is drums very much for keeping the beat, for keeping an army uh, disciplined and marching, and the, the pipes were often employed because their sound could be heard very distinctly in very very long distances. Um, so I so I I imagine it, I I suppose that uh, the resurgence of Irish pipes, Irish war pipes at the time, um, had a lot to do with soldiers returning from America having experienced um, fifes and drums being used on the battlefield um, in, in the way that they were. And obviously trying coming back to Ireland to hopefully employ those same strategies uh, during the fight, for, the fight for Irish freedom. So I'll play the song for you now anyway. Um, I've arranged this on a guitar and the air I'm using is is more or less uh, the the limerick rake, which you know would have been popular around the, around the area at the time, and it seems to fit. I like I could be wrong about the air here, but it seems to fit. So uh, so here's the Ballock Warpipers. Going for a stroll by the old village school Slowly pacing alone Surprised by the sound of a musical tone The tone of the ballad for pipers 
I stood in amazement and I listened with joy And I hastened me steps till I landed close by Like music from heaven, right down from the sky Rang the tone of the Balakor Pipers Music sprang forth from a farmer's abode His name was Dwyer, a D.C. at the board Lover of music, which history knows And a home for the ballot war pipers This green little Ireland I've traversed all o'er The highlands of Scotland I once did explore Such music in me life I never heard before as the roar of the ballot war pipers. We are famed agitators since the year eighty one. We're never now absent with old fife and drum Now we have music that's second to none Success to our ballot war pipers It must be remembered that we didn't fail We stormed on drum, banished Maud and his tail Our boys, they were captured and cast into jail Played home by the ballot war pipers But in the near future, I'm proud for to say, we'll storm Temple Moor, Holy Cross, and obey. Smash up their ranches without much delay by the roar of the Ballock War Pipers. So I've, I found um, during my research for this a few um, references to the Balak War Pipers in a document from the Bureau of Military History from 1913 to 1921. Uh, it's a statement of witness by an Eamon O'Dwyer um, from Balak in Goulds Cross, County Tipperary. I can only assume um, he was one of the Balak War Pipers or was related to them. Um, but this is um, an account of his. He, he was this. This man was an organizer uh, for the Irish Republican Brotherhood and the Irish Volunteers. So he would have been one of the lads organizing um, the, the battalions from Tipperary that took that took place in the 1916 Rising and the battles that, um, the battles that came after that. Um, so he he references Ballock quite a few times. He says he says in this um, document that he attended Ballock National School until the age of 13, um, when he left. And he, he, write, he writes a few accounts um, of, the, of the Pipers at public meetings. Um, I'll, read, I'll read this out. Um, in, in turn now, we held Irish volunteer recruiting meetings all over the area, and these were addressed by P.C. O'Mahony. 
who was a county centre of the IRB. Seamus O'Neill, who was a professor in Rockwell College, Parias McKenna, Richard Tracy, myself and some others. One of the greatest gatherings we had was sometime after the division in the Irish Volunteers, when we called a big meeting for Knockavilla in the night in the night time, headed by the Irish War Pipers Band from Ballock and a crowd of torchbearers. We led a force of a couple of hundred volunteers over and over a thousand of the general public to Knockavilla, where the meeting was addressed in defiant terms by Father Matt Ryan, uh, P. P.P. Richard Tracy and myself. The Irish volunteers rallied again in many quarters. The three parishes I have already mentioned had a hard core of resistance to the foreigner, and so and so too had Ballycahill, Anfield and the Rag, with the Maher family and many others. He says a few pages later, there's another re- reference um, to, to the War Pipers, which is as follows. Now in that year, as far as the organisation of the volunteers went, I could say that we increased our number very much. We had done a lot in 1914, and there wasn't very much more we could do, nor could be done until after Easter 1916. But we were pretty strong, and the only thing we were short of was arms, and it was not easy to get them. Shotguns were fairly plentiful, but after all, they were not proper warlike weapons. Now, I don't know when I finished this business with a rally, but it must have been some time in 1916 and I had a good deal of stuff got in that period for the Irish Volunteers organisation, and O'Rahilly was very pleased with my work. He even told me so on Easter Sunday morning, on 1916. He just mentioned it when he called to my place with the order from Owen McNeil. One of the big things we helped, the Volunteers, Sinn Féin, and of course the Gaelic League being mixed up in it, um, was a great gathering at Doon, County Limerick, on a Saturday night. There was a combination of dance, concert, and a monster meeting. We went there, bringing with us the Ballock War Pipers and a huge crowd. There must have been anything from 1,000 to 2,000 people at this gathering. So from these two passages alone, um, it's very indicative of how, how important a piping band was um, in organize, organizing um, these types of meetings. I suppose if you, if you want to draw as much of a crowd as you possibly can to your, to your, to your meeting, put on some great music. O'Dwyer goes on um, to say, uh, Ballock was the storm centre of a national struggle for many years, carried on in our day by us and the anti-ranch war, and the clearing out of the great families of the arch-victors of our people. Of these arch-victors, it be noted, some were Catholic and others Protestant. Gone since those days are the Mauds of Dundrum, Carden from Bonan, Clark from Holy Cross, Matthew from Thomastown. Scully from Balinaglock and many others. Then we joined Conrad Gaelga, Sinn Féin and the Irish Volunteers and under the surface of things the hidden IRB. It is in Clonalty Parish and the principal speaker of this was Father Matt, Father Matt Orion, the, the Doughty Parish Priest of Nocavilla. He spoke glowingly at the opening and, and the gathering about uh, one 1.30pm and again at 5pm when people went home to milk the cows and have tea and came back again. Enthused by all he saw by all he saw and heard that day, Father Matt spoke again at 10pm. That night, when he wound up the proceedings, doubtless Prius McCann, McCann, Seamus O'Neill and Richard Tracy also spoke there. The, pipe, the Piper's band discoursed stirring music. Sean Stapleton led in the volunteers of Colin and Ulla, Unif- uniformed and with bayoneted rifles on their shoulders. 
singers, dancers and reciters by the score were there and including a, a contingent from far away Waterford. This contingent included the famous reciter Myra um, uh, New, who later became the wife of Austin Malloy, the black and white Celtic design artist. A few years ago, there was published a beautiful and bulky Christmas book in Irish written by their daughter and illustrated by Mr. Malloy. So the, 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 these, this pipe band from a tiny little village in the middle of Tipperary would have been present for a lot of these very, very important um, organising meetings of the IRB. Uh, the, the mords that are referenced to um, in the previous passage as well were a large landowning family uh, that resided in Dundrum, County Tipperary, uh, which is probably eight miles up the road from Ballock. Um, so they were, they, they were a very, very big landlord family and kind of they would have been very, very well known in the area. Um, involved in evictions during the famine, uh, during the famine and the pre-famine era, and who resided in Dundrum House, uh, which is now Dundrum House Hotel uh, today, with a big golf course around it that you can go and visit if you so wish. So I'm going to wrap that up there. Um, it's only a short episode this one because I, I couldn't find another song referencing the Ballad War Pipers. I found another version of the same song with a couple of words changed, and I, I didn't really, I can't really see the point of recording and sharing two of the same song, just with a couple of words different. Um, so I'll finish there. Um, I've been Bell Bill O'Brien. This is the Lost Songs of Ireland podcast. I do have a Patreon, if you do wish to support what I'm doing. Take a look. It's pa- uh, patreon.com forward slash Bell Bill. Um, I'm also on Instagram as Bell Bill, B-A-U-L-D-B-I-L-L. Uh, do give us a follow, give us a share, give us a like, all of that crack. And I'll look forward to seeing you in the next episode.